I couldn't be more excited about the message series that we're going into. Um, we're in the dog days of summer. I mean, we are today, I thought, originally when I planned these kind of message and message series out, I was thinking, it's going to be so hot today. It kind of feels like spring today. It kind of feels kind of good. But we're heading to the dog days of summer. It's coming. It's going to get really hot. But I think it's going to get even hotter in our relationship with God this summer. If we'll lean into Him, I believe that God wants to, to speak to us in the dog days of summer. I think He wants us, and I, I know He wants us, to grow closer to Him. And the more that we know Him, the song that we sang before that, the more that we know Him, the more that we want Him, the more that we want to get. And that's really what this series is about. It's about the, the great I am. And we're going, most summers, um, I've been your pastor eight years. I, of course, I wasn't here last summer uh, during a sabbatical. But uh, other than that, most summers we kind of taken a deep dive into a passage of the book of the Bible. So, you know, we've done things like First and Second Timothy. We've done First, Second, Third Peter. Uh, first and Second Peter. First, Second, and Third John. Uh, we've done uh, Philippians and I can't remember what we've done, but that's kind of where we go in the summer. We're going to dive into one of the four Gospels, the book of John. But as you and I both know, all four of the Gospels are, you know, there's more than seven or eight weeks worth. So we kind of dove into something very specific that I think has great significance for your life and my life. It's in the book of, the, uh, book of John. It's the I am statements of Jesus. And these are significant. These are important. Uh, it, it, it was, th there's something powerful that was said and something powerful that was stated in the I am statements of Jesus. And today is an introduction into the I am statements. And the reason we are excited about this series, and I'm excited about this series, is because the more we know God, the, the closer that we grow closer to Him, the more we truly know ourselves and know who our identity is and who we are. And so I'm excited about this. I want to dive into the, it, kind of take a a setup to where the words and the seven statements of Jesus went today. Um, so I want to back up just a little bit. Today's an intro. And I first want to start by maybe saying that never before in the history of the world, never before in our history, uh, here in our short history of the United States, I don't think there's ever been a time in our history where there's been so much talk and concern about identity. And who our identity is, it seems like it's every other news article is about identity and who we are. And especially if you're under the age of 25, I mean, you've been bombarded with, with in your childhood and your young adulthood, you've been uh, bombarded with identity. And I just want to say it was a lot easier for my age and older growing up. It, things were simpler. I mean, when, when we went to kindergarten, what was the question? What do you want to be when you, yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? In the second year of kindergarten, it was the same question. What do you, I mean, for those of us that went to two years of kindergarten, it was what do you want to be when you grow up? It was simple. And now it's so complicated. And everything is about, you know, you have to, you have to decide. You have to choose. You have to make a declaration. You have to choose your identity. Important question Secondly, never in the history of our world has there been more opinions about God. And, of course, we can see it through social media and everywhere else. So maybe there's always been this many questions. Maybe they just weren't in our face. Maybe we couldn't see what everyone else was thinking. But never in the history of our world has there been more opinions about who God is, who He is, who He isn't, 
what we like about God, what we don't like about God. Uh, I mean, all of us have probably heard at some point, uh, I know I've heard this many times in, in my life, especially in ministry, something that kind of goes along the lines of, you know, if, if God is like this, and I think God is like this, and if God is like blank, then, then I don't want to be a part of a God that is like blank. I mean, if God is this way, if he's whatever, you fill in the blank. If God is this way, and, and I think that he is, and if he's who I think he is, and it's everything that I think that he is, if he's that way, that's not a God I want to believe in. That's not a God I want to serve. That's not a God that I want to follow. And it's like, it's kind of funny when you think about it that, our, that we should decide who God is and how he should be. For if God is God, who are we to tell who God is? I love uh, the, the quote of Rousseau who said, God created man in his image, and then man, being a gentleman, has returned the favor. <laughs> because we're so kind, you know, we're such kind people, and our humanity is so kind that we're going to be kind enough to be a gentleman back to God and tell him, here's who we define you as, and here's who we think that you are. If God is truly God, then we don't get to decide who God is. If God is truly God, then it doesn't really matter what we think about God. And so today we're talking about a couple things identity. Um, we're talking about who God is. We're talking about who we are. And there was a poll that I saw a pastor here recently um, was sharing in a message, and I don't remember where he got it, and I don't remember uh, necessarily who it was, but I do remember the principle of it. It was that we may think, oh, us in this room, us that are part of the church, or maybe we come, we're, we're not dealing with this issue. We don't try to define God. We know who he is, and, but we do we, really? Do we not try to put parameters around him and who we think he is. There was a study that was done that asked every person in this study, I don't know how many it was, they asked them to write everything down that they liked about themselves, to make a list of everything that they liked about themselves. And when they got done writing the list of everything they liked about themselves, they were then asked the next question, what do you like about God? And I don't think it's probably surprising to us that about 90% of what we liked about ourselves, we attributed to God. So the things that we liked in ourselves, we attributed and we tried to define who God is. And it leaves us with some very important questions, important questions of identity today that we're diving into. Who is God and who am I? These are two questions that have been asked throughout history. Every man, woman, and child who's preceded us up until this point in history have asked these two questions. Who is God and who am I? We today, we've wrestled with this. All of us have wrestled with this. Everyone that comes behind us will wrestle with these same two questions. Who is God and who am I? And, and the good thing is when we can answer this question affirmatively, when we can answer this question, I believe in the way that God wants us to answer this question, it's a game changer. And it changes everything for us. These are two fundamental important questions that we all have to come to a conclusion on. We all have to decide what we believe, who is God, and who am I. It's maybe like Mark Twain talked about, the two greatest day in any person's life is the day you were born and the day that you find out why. Because we were made for a purpose. We were made on purpose for a purpose. 
And today we're going to kind of dive into this. When I know who God is, I can know who I am. I can know better who I am. And so this question of identity, who is God and who am I, is an important question. It begins today with this. And we're going to dive into someone who, who knew our struggles. All of the characters and all the uh, people of the, of, the, of the Old and New Testament, they're just like us. They had struggles. We may put them up on a pedestal and see them as heroes. But what I love about Scripture is God doesn't use perfect people. <laughs> he, he used flawed people because he wants us to know that he can use anything. And he can use us. And this is where we're going to dive back into kind of an intro to our I Am series, the I Am Statements of Jesus. Now Moses was attending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, or when he, when he had got Moses' attention... God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look back at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the, seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Not a lot of time spent on this today, but it's just a good reminder that God sees us. He sees you. We may not under, understand everything, but God does see us. And God is saying, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, which has been going on for a long time. 400 years, I have heard the crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray in the next few moments that you would open up our eyes, open our ears to hear what you want us to hear and our eyes to see what you want us to see. Lord, help us, Lord, today to maybe in a deeper way understand who you are so we can better understand who you made us to be. So, Father, in this moment, I pray that you'd work beyond uh, my words and work beyond my weaknesses. And, Lord, I pray that you, Lord, would speak to each and every heart, both watching online, in this room, and to mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Who is Moses? Who is Moses? That's where we begin. Who is, who is Moses? First of all, we know from the scripture that we just read that he was a shepherd. He was tending his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. He was attending the sheep. He had been doing this for about 40 years. He had been on the run 
Um, we know that he was, uh, he, he was trying to defend his own people, the Hebrews. He was trying to uh, defend his own people, and he, he, so he took the life of someone that was beating one of his fellow Israelites. But he wasn't seen as someone that came to the rescue. He was seen as a murderer. And so he's been on the run for the last 40 years, running from in fear and wanting to preserve and save his life. And now he is a shepherd. We know that he was born a Hebrew. We know that he was born into the Israelite family, into the tribe, in, in, into the tribe of Levi. And the first two things we kind of talked about, who, what he did, you know, that he was born, he was born, um, he was born a Hebrew. Sometimes we find our identity in our nationality, in our ethnicity, and maybe in our sexuality, but different things that we maybe first look to to find our identity. Uh, sometimes we find our identity like he did and as a shepherd in what we do, especially guys. We're pretty good at this. Is like, you know, I, I am what I do. I'm, you know, I'm an electrician or I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a teacher. Uh, we, we often attach who we are to what we do. And then we know that he was he was born in uh, to a Hebrews family and the Israelites, but because they were Pharaoh was killing all the firstborn because he was afraid of their their numbers getting so big that they might be overthrown. He was thrown into the river, saved by his mama, who the basket we know the old Bible story that his basket went by the Egyptian princess. She withdrew him out of the water and she raised him as an Egyptian in the house of a king. He was a prince in Egypt. So he had gone from pauper to prince. And so, it, but yet, although he had all these advantages, there was, it was confusing for him. And it was a struggle for him. We know this because the first uh, son that he had, Gershom, he named him Gershom, which is not really a good, fair name to give to a kid. I mean, but it had a meaning behind it. Gershom meant it meant foreigner. It meant stranger. And he said, I become a foreigner in my own land. He felt like a, like a fish out of water. He, he felt like, a, he, felt like he, he didn't know exactly where he belonged and where his identity was. Maybe just to kind of summarize everything, we think about Moses. He was a Hebrew. He was born a Hebrew. He, he looked like, he dressed like, a, an, a, but he was adopted into Egyptian family. So he looked like an Egyptian, and he talked like an Egyptian. And get this, he walked like an Egyptian. <laughs> I know a little bit of corny, but you'll remember that today. But here's the deal. He was a little confused about who he was and his identity. He'd grown up with kind of a, a mixed baggage and kind of a mixed kind of family heritage. And you know what? That's the story of many of us. We were born into different things in different ways, mixed families, different stuff. And sometimes we can be confused about that. He was, he was a man that I actually resonate with Moses. Uh, we kind of talked about this last week in Father's Day, but I, I resonate with Moses not because of what an incredible leader and patriarch that we look up to him, but Moses was deeply insecure. And, and I resonate with the insecurities that Moses had. And, and yet out of his insecurity, God says, I'm sending you. And at that moment, Moses is like, who am I? 
Honestly, this morning I had this conversation with God on the way to the churches. I was getting ready to review and go over the message again. I was having this conversation, thinking about this message, and knowing that Moses and his insecurities, I really thought sometimes, sometimes I have more confidence than others, but I was kind of coming here today and knowing, you know, I just, what I know about myself is I fall so short of the glory of God. I, so, I fall so short of his standard. And so there are times as pastor, I go, who am I that I get to do this? Who am I that I get this awesome responsibility to lead? And I understand where Moses is coming from, but notice how God responds to Moses. God doesn't even answer his question directly. Look how God responds. He doesn't say, Moses, well, you come from this, and this is who you are. This is what you've done. This is what you've achieved. This is what I'm going to do. No, he he doesn't tell him anything about his identity. All he, all he says is, I will be with you. I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. He doesn't tell him. He doesn't answer his question directly. But what he does says is, I will be with you. And that's how God answers us often. Oftentimes, and I don't know your situation, I don't know every one of you, I don't know what you're going through today, I don't know if you've gone through a painful breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or fiance, I don't know if you've gone through a divorce or a painful divorce, I don't know if you've received a devastating diagnosis, I don't, you're, I don't know if you're dealing with deep loneliness or deep sense of loss, I don't know what it is you're going through. And I also don't know this. I, I don't know how God's answering that. And maybe God isn't answering the way that you would hope, the way that you'd wanted, the way that you've been praying for. You're like going, okay, God, I, I don't get this. I don't understand this. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how God is answering your prayers this morning. But what I can tell you from experience and what I can tell you from what he says in his word is he promises that I will be with you. God promises his presence. And he even tells them, hey, there's going to be a destination where you're going to land. Once you get out of Egypt, once you get through Egypt, and sometimes, friends, we just have to go through Egypt. Sometimes we have to go through the wilderness and the hard things of life. And it doesn't mean God's causing it, wanting it to happen. But maybe he's wanting you to understand that I will be with you. My presence, that's what God promises us. God promises his presence. And when he says, and you are going to end up on my mountain worshiping me. Once I get you through Egypt, I want to tell you where you're going to end up. You're going to end up on the mountain. Now, friends, I don't know when that comes for you and me. I don't know if it's the end, and that's, you know, when we're in glory forever with him. But if we will recognize that God's presence is with us, if we will seek his presence in our life, I'm telling you, you will worship God on the mountain too. You will worship him on his mountain. And, and simply a mountain uh, was a symbol. God's mountain was a symbol of a place of safety and security and stability. And God's presence is a place of safety, security, and stability. And worshiping him is what we were born to do. It's what we were created, created to do. We were created to glorify God. We were created to reflect the image of God. We were created in his image. And when it says that you will worship Moses on, the, on God's mountain, the promise is true for us too. When we get through our Egypt, God has a mountain for us to worship him on. He has a place for us there. 
I, I love something my dad would often say to his churches when he, that he pastored. He pastored seven churches over about 40 years. And he'd often quote the great John Wesley, who says, best of all, God's been with us. Best of all, through the mountaintops, God's been with us. Through the valleys, God's been with us. But best of all, God has been with us. And if, if we know that God is with us, what should our response be? How should we respond? You would think our response would be like, God is with us, so hey, we're good, right? And you'd think Moses would say, his presence is with me, so I'm good. But no, it wasn't. There's a yeah, but. And, and the next thing that, that Moses does is he begins to make excuses. In fact, the first thing next, you're going to hear the next excuse. We're going to come to that in a minute. But if you have time today, I encourage you to go read Exodus chapter 4. Because it's a chapter of excuses. Moses is making excuse after excuse after excuse. In fact, God kind of gets fed up with it. He gets kind of angry. He kind of gets tired of it. And, he's, and he still lovingly helps Moses. But he's like, I'm kind of tired of the excuses. Well, this was the beginning of the excuses. Moses replied, so Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What shall I tell them? In other words, I think Moses is saying here, God, do you see what I'm up against? Do, do, you, do you know my history? 40 years in the desert being a shepherd, that wasn't my trade by choice, but I was relegated to that because I'm running for my life. The last time these people saw me, all they know about me, they don't see me as a deliverer, they see me as a murderer. They don't see me as coming to their rescue. They see me as being part of the problem. Do you not see what we're up against, God? Do you, do you not see what, what's going on here? Do you not see my challenges before me? And, and the other excuses that you come up, I stutter and all those things. Moses lived a life oftentimes of excuses. But despite his excuses, God used him. That's good news for you. That's good news for me. Despite your excuses, despite my excuses, God can still use us. And I think Moses is really just saying here, God, I know you say that you're with me, and I, I know that up here in my head. But it's tough to get it 18 inches down into my heart. I know that you say that you're with me, but are you really with me, God? Are you really there? I'm going to go to these people that that they think something different. My reputation precedes me. W what do I say to them? What's going to get me off the hook? And God replies, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. You saw those words today. One of, the, one of the words was Yahweh. It wasn't spelled this way because in the Hebrew alphabet, they don't have vowels. And so the best that we can come up with is to add the A's into it. But Yahweh was the final authority. It was, there's all these names for God, Emmanuel, Jehovah Rapha. I mean, there's all these names for God. But the name that trumps all names is the name Yahweh, I am, which it means in the Hebrew, the self-existent one, which means... I've always been there. I always, in the beginning, I was there. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the one who is and is and is to come. I am. I, I do not need an introduction. 
and I don't need an explanation. There's a place in Corinthians that, that says that we are without excuse in all that God has made in creation. Just the one cell in our body is so complex. The millions of species that have been made in our world, in the ocean and on the earth, there is no excuse that there is a self-existent one. And who are we as the creation to tell the creator how he is and how he is to be? He is the I am. He is the self-existent one. And this is not a casual statement. This is a declarative statement. This is a bold statement. And this is a final statement. It's a final statement that I am God. Later on, when Moses would lay out the Ten Commandments, he said, you shall have no other gods before me. I, the Lord, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. There is one God. I am God. God gets the final word. No matter your opinions, my opinions, whatever our opinions are about God, what we like, what we dislike, what we believe or what we don't believe, if God is God, God gets the final word. Now, if God's not God, then the atheist gets the final word. But if God is God, God gets the final word, and he says to Moses, I am God. And you think, okay, well, that's enough. I'm just going to go back to I am God. But he's already reading Moses' mind. He already knows what's next. And he's like, I know you got another question, another excuse. That's probably not going to be enough. So let me tell you who else I am. God also said to Moses, say to them also, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. First of all, he outlines that God's a big God. I'm a big God. I should need no introduction, no explanation. I simply am. I am the self-existent one. I shouldn't need to say anything else beyond that. But I want you to know this. Although I'm this big, grand, incredible, indescribable God, I also want you to know that I'm a personal God, that I've come close, that I am the Father, I'm your grandfather's uh, God. I am your father's God. I am a close God. I'm not just a God that is distant and far and not personal and not close, who, is, who doesn't care what's going on with you in your life. I am the God who sees you, and I am the God who's the God of your grandfathers. Now, I'm the God of your grandfathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the, what that means for you, it means for the children of Israel, Moses, when you say to them, when you say this, this is we're going to help them know that I'm their God, and they're my kids. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are my kids, and you know what? That makes you my kids. And when we have kids, we have an avid interest. When, when, when something, I mean, things can impact everyone else, but when something impacts my kids, it gets really personal. And so we have a God that's not distant, who's not far. He's saying, not only my great and grandiose, but I want you to know, you can go to them and let them know, I'm a personal God. I'm your God. I'm, you're my kids. You're my beloved. I love you with an everlasting love, and I want to shower you with blessing upon blessing to a thousand generation of your kids. If you'll follow me, if you'll do this, I want to do that. That's who you can go to them, Abraham. And they may not get I am right out of the gate, but they will get this because of the things that I've done. 
They will get who the God of their father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is. And that same God is their God. That same God wants to be their God. I am. Friends, we're just getting started. This is an introduction into the next seven weeks that I believe that if we will lean in, this is the foundation. God identified to the Israelites in, the, in the, coming out of Egypt and to Moses, I am. And then it, that was a bold declarative statements. There were final statements. But I want you to know Jesus comes along. He says these same words, I am. And they're even more bold. They're even more declarative. And they're even more final. In fact, for some, them fighting words. And he comes across the Jewish elite, the Israelites, the, the ones that, that knew the, the religious elite. They knew, they knew the, the, the first five books, the Torah of the Old Testament. They knew that Moses had written that. And so when Jesus comes to them and says these words to, to the religious leaders, he says, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Declarative, bold, final. In fact, these were fighting words because they knew the Scriptures, and they knew what I am meant, and they knew what Jesus was doing. He was declaring himself God, equal to God. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. They were fighting mad. And now, it's kind of maybe hard. We have hindsight. It's always easy, isn't it? Have hindsight versus when you're in the moment. But put yourself in their shoes just for a moment. And let's say we're here today, and I've been your pastor for a little over eight years. And say that you've, you've listened to my messages, you've listened to my teachings, you're, you've been okay everything so far. There's a few things you struggle here and there. I don't bat a thousand. I get some things wrong. I don't say everything right. But for the most part, you stuck with me because you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm agreeable. I can do this. But what if I came to you today and I stood before you and I declared to you today that I am God, that I'm equal to God, and I want you guys to start following me? Who would be here next Sunday? Nobody. Nobody. This was Jesus. He's, a, he's in the human flesh. He's a human being. Yes, he's done these miracles and he's done some great things. He's had a good reputation in many ways. But now he's, he's sitting up there saying, the Lord, the, the Lord your God, the Lord who is one, I am equal to him. I am God. Those were fighting words. I am. And if I said those words to you today, you'd have the same choice that they were faced with 2,000 years ago. He's a lunatic. He's a liar. And anybody that says, I am God in their day is like, we're going to stone him. In our day, it's like, we're just going to leave him. But either way, you're not with him. Because he is, he is saying, I'm equal to God. I am God. At this, they picked up stones and they begin to, I mean, these are, this is huge. But it's also significant. Because he's either, he's really, what Jesus has done, he's, he's put a line in the sand. He's put a line in the sand here. And he said, either you're with me or you're against me. 
Either you believe in me or you don't believe in me. Either I'm lunatic and I'm a liar or Jesus is Lord. They were faced with that decision. Is Jesus a lunatic? Is he a liar? Or is Jesus Lord? And we and every person that's ever lived on the face of this earth and whoever will live on the face of this earth after us is faced with the same decision. Is Jesus lunatic, liar, or is Jesus Lord? And if Jesus is Lord, he makes seven I am statements. And if Jesus is Lord and he is the great I am, then it not only comes with this declaration that is bold and final, but it also comes with these seven promises that he's given to us that we're going to look at the next seven weeks. I'm so excited for the next seven weeks as we kind of do a deep dive into the I am statements of Jesus. But I want us to understand the gravity of these statements. We just read them. We've always read them. It's always been a part of us. But Jesus is making a bold statement. I am God. If I am God, not only one is, one, he's, he's become personal. It means God has come close. He's not this distant God. He's not this uncaring God who doesn't care about what we're going through. No, he loved us enough to come and be one of us. He came to be personal, and he's left us his Holy Spirit. So one, there's, there's this promise, if he is the I am, he has come personal, he's come close. But as we're going to look in the next seven weeks, there's some incredible, wonderful promises. If he, if he is the I am, he says, I am the bread of life. What does that mean? It means that he desires and he is the one who can satisfy the deepest hunger of your soul. He is the one that can satisfy your deepest hunger. If he is the light of the world, he is the one that can help the one like we've all been and stumbled who stumbles in the darkness. Anybody know some friends are in the darkness? Maybe you're going through the darkness right now. If he's the light of the world, he is the one that's going to help light your way through that darkness. If, if Jesus is the door, if he is the I am and he is the door, it means we have access to the Father. He's granted us full access to him and a relationship to him. In fact, Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who opens that door and invites me in, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And that eating is not that physical eating. It represents a relationship with God. He is the door. I am the good shepherd. And if he is the good shepherd, that means that we have a God that's come close that will comfort us, guide us, protect us. He says, if I am the resurrection and the life, he's the resurrection and the life. That means we have one who has defeated our nemesis, our greatest enemy of sin and death. He has conquered the grave. If he is the way, the truth, and the life, that means for those who are confused, maybe confused in their identity, confused in who they are, but once they find that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only identity that we need, and the only identity that we long for, and the only identity that we, that we have is in Jesus Christ, that we're a child of God, deeply loved by him. I am the way, the truth, and life. And if he is the true vine, that means he is the source of all life. He is the source of your life and mine. And when we give our lives and trust in him. Man, what he does for us. I'm excited about these next seven weeks. But I want to finish with this today. 
going back to three or four, this is what kind of jumped out at me, setting up the I am. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Friends, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're going through watching online. I don't know everything about you. But there's probably some strange things that happen in our lives from time to time. And maybe you're going through some strange things right now. Some circumstances that don't make sense. God may have caused or he may not have caused them. But either way, they're strange. They're out of place. They don't make any sense. Could it be that God would like to use that to get your attention? Could it be that he's... He wants you to pass by and and not just continue to go on, but he wants you to stop dead in your tracks and go, what is going on here? And I, this is bigger than me. This is too, too, too much for me to understand. So God, you got my attention. And in that moment, he calls out to him, what could God be calling you today? Maybe that you feel inadequate for. Maybe, it, maybe it's, a, it's a new job. Maybe it's a, a new position. Maybe it's a calling the pastor. Maybe it's a calling a missionary. Maybe it's a calling into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you might find it even odd or weird that you're here today or that you're watching online, but it's not an accident. God is trying to get your attention, and he's saying, I'm calling out to you, Kent, Kent. I'm calling out to you, John, John. I'm calling out to you, Larry, Larry. I'm calling out to you, Jill, Jill. I'm calling out to you, and Moses simply said, here I am. That's our response. Here I am. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. As I'm excited about these next seven weeks. I'm excited that in these I am statements, Lord, when we get to know who you are and when we answer that call, Lord, we discover who we really are. We discover our purpose. And, and without answering this question in our life. We don't have a purpose. We don't have a real reason. But Lord, in you we find our purpose. In you we find our being. And in you we find out who we truly are. So Lord, would you help us to discover and grow in who we are in Christ? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, that same invitation has been given to you. God's been trying to get your attention. He says he's calling you out. What's your response? Would you just say this morning, here I am. God, I don't know what it means, but here I am. And I'm going to trust you. No, your head's bowed and your eyes closed this morning. If that's you this morning, you're going to trust Jesus. Your response is, here I am. Would you just raise your hand this morning that I can pray with you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you stand with us this morning? And we're going to close in this a prayer of invitation that we pray each week, but don't let it just be words that come off our mouth. If you raise your hand, you're not going to pray this alone, but we're going to pray this together, a bold declarative statement that we know who Jesus is, and because we know who Jesus is, we can know who we are. Would you repeat after me? Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins, and was raised to the, from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen.
and amen. It's going to be a great summer. I'm excited for what God is going to do. If you made that decision, Dustin's going to tell you what to do with that today. Just a couple minutes. We'll see you next Sunday.